This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Good morning, Emmanuel. How many love Jesus today? I, uh, in Spring Lake Park, I can't see everybody that's clapping. And, uh, and there we go. Now I can see everybody. I like to be able to see some faces. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I like seeing your face. <laughs> it's a good day. What's up, Elk River? What's up, Maple Grove? And what's up, Lakeville? We've got a brand new family member in our church. Uh, so great to be together today. We're in a series called Moving Forward, and uh, I believe that God is moving all of us in a new direction, and, uh, and we're to step in line with what his leadership is and what God wants us to do. So if you're a guest today and it's your first time, feel like you can jump right in with everyone else as we're in a series. We've already talked about how we, we need to deal with our memories or our yesterdays if we're going to move forward. Sometimes we need to address those things. Uh, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament said, forgetting those things which are behind, I then turn and press. And learning what that process is of forgetting. If you missed the message, I encourage you to go listen to it. We also talked about stepping across into God's promises as Joshua led Israel across the Jordan River and a great epic story in the Old Testament of the book of Joshua and how they needed to bring the presence of God and the presence of God led them through. And then last week, we just had, we had a little bit of my crazy childhood uh, as Alan Griffin was here. And uh, Alan, uh, Alan's an evangelist. Did you guys have fun with him? Uh, I heard that he made y'all like hug and smile and connect with people. And that's just the way he was. Nobody can make me laugh like Alan. Today's title of my message is The Way Forward. Turn to the person next to you and say, The Way Forward. So we're talking about moving forward, but what is the pathway to getting there? It was just 30 years ago this weekend that I left Michigan to come to Minnesota. And uh, I came as a college student, and it had been two years of, of business administration at a school in Michigan, and I felt like God was saying, nope, you need to pivot, and you need to go to North Central University, which is downtown Minneapolis. It's a... Bible college down there that I was to go to. And I remember coming on this weekend 30 years ago and uh, feeling like I was entering a weird land, right? And uh, not everybody related to each other the same way. I loved and understood and felt familiar with Michigan. And I still like Michigan things, if you know me. I'm a, I love those kind of things. Anything related to the Michigan Wolverines, I'm into still. Anyhow, when I came here, Nobody was into what I was into, and it felt different. It felt strange. It was a new environment. Many of the people in the Emmanuel family that are from other nations is, were called to be a house of prayer for all nations. You've come to the United States, and you're excited to be here, but everything was different. And uh, people eat different food. They talk different, you know, and uh, there's all kinds of things that are just different. But I learned that I had to have faith in God and move forward through unfamiliarity and trust him as I move forward. And today I want to give you encouragement 
that no matter what kind of season of life you're in, what you're kind of walking through, it may feel unfamiliar. You might wish for or long for things in the past, or maybe you're grappling with decisions that seem somewhat overwhelming as we've gone through the pandemic and it's kind of prompted a whole new reality in family life and employment. All kinds of things are going on that are just really a challenge. I want to remind you with today's message, there is a way forward. You can make it into the future. You're not going to get stuck. You're not going to get lost. That God's got you and you can make it. Can I get an amen? And as we move into it, I want to go back to Joshua in the book of Joshua, the story of Joshua, the person that was the leader of Israel. And if you remember Joshua in, in his story, he was the assistant to Moses through all the years of the wilderness. He did amazing things, but he watched Michael Jordan, if you will, do the best, win the championships, and then Michael's gone. And now he has to lead Israel into the promised land, into places that Moses had never gone. And he was experiencing real, rational worries, fears, and concerns about the new land, this new part of the story. I know that there are many people in, in, in our church that are going through new employment seasons. You're perhaps going through a time where your kids are, are now in the home and you have to figure out how do I navigate have raising kids. Others of you are on the other end of that. You're letting kids go. That's a whole nother thing. And then you're, you're, you're saying hello to grandkids or whatever. I mean, there's different seasons and stages of life. Some people have just lost the marriage. And you're like, how do I make it alone? There are parents in our congregation, single parents, uh, that don't have a spouse with them, and they're raising their kids, and they're walked into this whole pandemic thing, figuring out how to do employment and have school in the home, and how do I make decisions about what I'm going to do? There are real concerns. You might feel a little bit like Joshua, and God gives Joshua a word that we need to hear today, and he basically speaks into Joshua hope for moving forward. And I want to give you four lessons that God taught Joshua in a new normal season. The first one is this. Before God tells you where to go, he tells you how to be. In other words, if you're looking for answers to decisions and you're trying to figure out how to make it and where you're going to go, first he's going to start with how you are and what you are. And often in new seasons, they begin after great turmoil or trauma. And this is the situation that Joshua was in. Look at Joshua chapter one, verse nine with me. It says this, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, he says that God is gonna be with them, but he tells them what kind of the state of his attitude should be his perspective in life. He said, be strong and courageous. He goes on to say, be very strong and very courageous because there's a reason not to be. And to be strong means that you don't buckle even though the weight is heavy. You don't abandon the struggle. You don't, some of us are fight and some of us are flight, right? 
And some of us want to get away from the struggle. And, and, and God says to Joshua, you need to be strong. Don't buckle. Lean into the moment. Be strong. It's what Paul was saying is possible through Jesus in Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So what he's saying to, God is saying to Joshua is, listen, with God, you can be strong. Yes, the obstacle is overwhelming. Yes, you look in the mirror and go, I don't know if I can do this. But with God, you can do everything. And Paul says that in any circumstance, he will give us the strength, Christ will, to, to be able to walk the road that we're called to walk. You can do this if you don't have a job right now. You can do this if you don't have a spouse and you're raising kids. You can do this if you don't know what decision to make as you're being asked to make decisions. You can do it in any and every circumstance, not by yourself, but through Christ. Can I get an amen? And it's a reminder for us that before he tells us what to do, we need to be strong in him. Turn to the person next to you and say, be strong. And then he says, be courageous. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the ability to move forward despite the fear. It's feeling it, but I'm still moving forward. I'm not going to get stuck. I'm going to progress. I'm going to move forward. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That word fear and timidity has a Greek root to it that means the same thing as our word neuter means, to cut off the power. <laughs> like literally, fear stops you from being who you could be. That somehow you're functioning at 30% of the person you could be. It's you without a Snickers bar. Come on, somebody. And you're stuck. You're, your family's not experiencing the loving individual you could be. The people around you, all they're hearing is complaining. You're living in fear. You're speaking your fears. You're, you're letting those things come out of you. And Paul says, listen, that's not from God. That stuff that's going on, that's not from God. The enemy is trying to stop you from being who you could be. But there's a possibility that he'll give you power and love and self-discipline. Some versions say a sound mind. How many know America needs a sound mind right now? Especially the church does. But sometimes we, it's not the fruits of the spirit flowing out of us. It's something else. And, uh, you know, when I was uh, playing football in high school back in the late the last half of the last century, <laughs> the 1980s. I remember I played football in my junior year. We were the number one team in the, the state. And uh, 
We were, I was the right guard, and we were rolling through our opponents. We were having miraculous comebacks, and our confidence grew, and we were the number one team going into the last game of the season. And I remember as we, we drove north, two and a half hours north from where I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, our East Kentwood football team drove up to Traverse City, a town in the north that had a whole county with one school. And they had thousands of students, and we got to the stadium, and we'd pull in, and, and we noticed the stadium is huge. And then we got into the warm-ups, and as we're warming up, we noticed that the other team is louder and bigger. They had farm boys or something going on, or they fed them something different. They were big and loud. And uh, something inside of us was like, okay, this isn't like our, our conference we were playing in before. And I remember I got down in my stance in the first quarter, first play, and I look up, and the guy across from me had a beard. <laughs> and I was like, no, we're playing a college team. And I wasn't the only one. Our entire team, we were like, we were getting our butts kicked in the first half. We weren't playing well and went to the locker room and our coach, who was not saved, not a Christian, did not use Christian language, ripped us a new one. And he basically was saying, hey, listen, you guys, you have the same skills as you did last week, but you're not playing with that same confidence. And you're getting beat because of it. We needed to go out and have a different mindset when we came out of the locker room. And guess what? We went out there and we won the game. Come on, somebody. We won the game. I forgot to tell the first service that we won. <laughs> Oh, man. Leave them hanging in the balance, I guess. Uh, so here's the deal. The enemy wants to shut you down, and God would say to you, as he did to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Remember who you really are. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of the Most High. You have royal blood running through your veins. You are forgiven of every sin. He has given you everything you need for life and godliness. You can do this. Come on, somebody. I'm almost starting to preach before I'm supposed to preach. But when we go into this new normal, sometimes it just feels unfamiliar, and we find ourselves incrementally pulling our toes in and pulling away. And I think that we need to lean into the opportunity of the new land, not get hung up on what we're losing. Learn to become comfortable with the now normal. Meaning, in that new territory, we're used to new normal, as if we want to go to a season that's like 30 years long. That's not life. Life is a series of a lot of changes and navigation. So we need to be in the now normal. Where in real time, if I find myself getting into timidity, I need to go, no, 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 no. That's not what God gives me. He gives me power and love and sound mind. I need to lean into his now, not what I'm feeling. And we need to find his peace, not worry about tomorrow. Anybody worried about tomorrow? Worried about where things are going? What about all the cataclysmic events worldwide? And we can get concerned about those things so much that we become timid people. God has not called you to be timid. As Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. 
whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Jesus is just saying, get rid of that. Why are you hanging out with that? It's shutting you down. Get back into his peace, what he has. Hear his voice now. Gain a comfort level in the now normal. Even if you don't know how it's going to work out, you're listening to what God is saying to you. Every single step, God is with you. Walking by faith, not by sight, or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by believing and not by seeing. There's another, another level of vision that we need. We need to see through different eyes. The second lesson that God taught Joshua was this. God will use resistance to make you stronger. So the obstacle isn't just an obstacle. God will use it to develop something new in you. I love what God said through Moses before the Israelites went into the promised land. God told them what would happen. And it says in Deuteronomy 7.22, the Lord your God will drive those nations out ahead of you little by little. You will not clear them away all at once. Otherwise, the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you. See, I think that sometimes when we, we get saved or we want to do our prayer, we want God to answer the full thing all at once. And God isn't interested in just answering our prayer. He's not some cosmic Santa Claus. There's no like Amazon to God. He's more interested in us developing into his dreams for us. So he'll allow us to go little by little by little. When you first become a believer, there are things you didn't know. And it seems like all these other people that grew up in the church, they just, they're fine. They got everything going for them. Why do I feel like I'm a loser and I don't know anything? Slow down, baby. It's going to be okay. God will develop you little by little. And he will strengthen you. And each time you face a battle, whether it's failure or success, he will strengthen you for your next battle. And sure enough, when you get to that space, you'll be able to be successful because he prepared you in the last battle. This is what God is saying to, to Joshua in the middle of this. Is he's in a sense saying, I'm going to help you. I'm going to develop you little by little. This is how God works. Not just in, in, in uh, big spiritual battles and big battles in the, in the Bible, but just in life. I mean, think about this. You pass first grade so you can get to second grade. And then you pass sixth grade to get to seventh grade. And then ninth, and then 10th, and then eventually, hopefully, you graduate, right? So you develop year by year. You build on your knowledge, your learning, the disciplines, so your thinking expands. That's how God does it with you. So just because you don't have superstar, supernatural uh, peace all at once and God doesn't answer every prayer that you have, hold on, baby, it's going to be okay. He's going to develop you and build you over time. This is what we need to teach our children, by the way. Parents, listen up. Your kids need to know that God doesn't just come in and supernaturally save the day every time they need rescued. He does rescue 
But what they need to learn is trust a father that allows his kids to go through stubbles, stumbling over and, and hurting their knee. It's going to be okay. The pain will cease at some point. There's a new day coming. The, our kids need to trust in a God that will help them through each of their challenges. And e even at the worst, when they feel like the sky is falling, it's not over when God is with them. My mom used to teach me a phrase that perhaps you've heard this in, in your family, this too shall pass. How many of you heard that? I used to hate that, but it's true. Because the reality is I need to learn to trust a father that's developing me. I got a construction sign over my life. God's working on me. I'm becoming something different than what I was. And I have to trust him for that. It's little by little. Sometimes the pressures around us kind of push us away from trusting God into um, half measures of trusting God. I'm going to do my own thing and then ask God to rescue me. But why don't we just slow it down and just say, God, I want to follow you every day the way you want me to be. Sometimes we need to take a time out in life. You know what time out? Everybody do this. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, excuse me, it's time out. A time out means is you take a, a break and you do some thinking. Sunday morning could be a time out. And we need to ask ourselves, am I doing this myself or am I following the Lord? Am I asking God to bless my plans or am I cooperating with his plans? Joshua needed a time out in his story. And the third lesson that God teaches him is this. The way forward is surrender in worship. I want you to see Joshua's timeout as they move towards a town called Jericho and a huge battle that's going to take place. In verse 13 of Joshua chapter 5, it says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in the front of him with sword in hand. And Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? This is where Joshua is again reminded of something he had learned earlier. He had learned to worship God before they crossed the Jordan. He had learned to put the stones of remembrance in the river Jordan so they could go back and remember what God had done. He had spent time thanking and praising God along the way. But before he was going to go to his next obstacle, his next battle, his next victory, God said, whoop, time out. I want to remind you, you still need to spend time before me. There's an interruption. Have you ever had an interruption in your life? What's that interruption look like? Something didn't work out. The car engine went out. The transmission went out. You didn't have enough money. Maybe you had something happen in your story where you wanted to go somewhere and then you couldn't. How many had vacations stopped in the last year? Because you couldn't take a flight and we were in lockdown or whatever it may be. Timeouts are important moments for God to speak to us. For Joshua, he has stopped and he's stopped in his tracks because he's got a one track mind. He's thinking about that town ahead. He's strategizing, how do I bring Jericho down? 
he's thinking like a military tacticianer, and he's thinking, how do I do this? How do I lead? And he's thinking about how do I do it? And God stops him and says, wait a second, before you figure out how you're going to do something, I want you to listen to me and what I want you to do in your life. And there's this interruption. At first, Joshua sees the interruption as an opportunity to either kill the person in front of him or ask him to help him in his purposes and his plans. So he says, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Are you Republican or Democrat? Are you a conservative or a liberal? Are you paper or plastic? Are you Vikings or Packers? What are you? He wants to know, right? He wants, because if he knows, then he can use this guy for his benefit. I think America's in trouble right now because we've lumped people into categories that God doesn't lump them into. And then when we're reading our conversations, we're like, are you uh, anti-vax or vax? Are you pro or this? And we literally go in and we do the narrative of other people that aren't God. And God wants to interrupt us and say, stop the bus, baby. He's not on anybody's side. He's the commander. He's the one that every knee will bow to and every tongue will confess to. He's got a whole nother way of thinking than any all have of thinking. And he literally shifts the thought process. And instead of interpreting the world for what you see horizontally, he begins to say, listen, there's a different moment here. Joshua needed to remember that he needed to surrender if he wanted God's leadership. He had to surrender to the leadership of the one that is in front of him. He, he was stuck in the horizontal and God was bringing in the vertical. And he says, neither one. This kind of reminds me of Jesus before he died that night. He was wrestling in prayer and his disciples had fallen asleep. And the next morning he'd be led off to crucifixion. In Luke twenty two forty two, 42, he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus shows us in his prayer that even my thinking and my will can be off track sometimes. So if I'm off, nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours be done. In other words, I'm submitted to Jesus. I'm submitted to the leadership of God. And surrender precedes God's plans. Don't do your planning and ask God to bless it. Surrender and let God give you his plan. And this is how Joshua says it. He says it to, back to the commander. He says, at this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? In other words, I've got a plan. I've got everybody going. Everybody knows we're going to Jericho. But what do you want me to do? And I think that all of us could listen to Joshua's story here. I've got my plan for my 401k. I got my plan for the house that I'm going to build. I got my plan for what we're going to do with the kids. I got my plan for what we're going to do with my health. I got my plan for what we got. We, and God, you already blessed it. What if you just took a time out and say, God, I surrender. What do you want me to do? 
And you know what Joshua then begins to do as he surrenders? His way forward comes out of this moment. He begins to worship. Now, there's many different disagreements about who this commander is at the Lord, of the, uh, the, the commander of the Lord's armies. Some people think that this was actually Jesus. All we know is he got down to worship. And worship wasn't a song, it was a position. He got down and laid out. He honored, he humbled himself lower than the leader. That's all you and I need to do at any moment of any day. Worship is getting low enough where God can impart his vision to us. Worship corrects what we see. Now, it's only in the last few years that I've had to start using reading glasses or cheaters. And uh, I was like resisting it in Jesus' name for a long time until I couldn't anymore. But I'll tell you what, when I got a, a, a book in front of me or I'm trying to read something, there's a big difference when I put the glasses on and when I don't have them on. I can like try to make it up and it's kind of something like that, you know, or I can put it on and see it clearly. I think without worship, without humility, without pausing, without the timeout, that oftentimes we're trying to live our life without a reading glasses. We aren't seeing the picture clearly. We aren't moving in the direction that he wants. And worship helps us see vertical and horizontal. It helps us do that. I love what Proverbs 29, 18 says. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Some versions say, without vision, people perish. But if we can't see what God is doing, we make irrational and stupid decisions. But when we listen, he gives us clarity and he helps us see vertical and horizontal. This worship moment that Joshua is in, in verse 15, it says, the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. You know, this isn't the only place that you see somebody removing their shoes to worship, but it's just recognizing whose presence you're in. And did you know that any place can be holy ground for you? Your kitchen can be holy ground. Come on, somebody. I'm not just talking about that glorious thing that you just ate last night. I'm saying when you begin to worship in your bedroom, something happens. When you go, you know what, Lord? I'm starting to fear. I'm starting to follow a different voice. And you begin to go, Lord, but I, I serve you. I trust you. Now, all of a sudden, there's a holy ground moment. It can happen in your car driving down the road. It can happen at work. It can happen anywhere you go at school, anywhere you are in private. When you pause and you just simply say, Lord, I worship you and you only, that becomes your holy ground moment. When you feel pressure coming in and it's pushing you in a particular direction, maybe you need a timeout and a little bit of a praise break. Come on, somebody. The last four lessons that God taught Joshua in a new normal season is fourth. Your private worship prepares you for the bigger battles. Your private worship prepares you for the bigger battles. I'm not going to go too far into the next part of the story. Of course, Joshua leads all of Israel outside these great gigantic walls of Jericho. And, and it seemingly is impossible. They're an impenetrable uh, obstacle for them. 
And as they approach that obstacle, something happens. God says, I want you to go do something to us that may seem silly. I want you to go march around daily, six times, seven times, and then on the last day, blow the trumpet. And when you do, God will give you Jericho, and the walls will come down. Now, if I'm, if I'm the commander of, of Israel's armies, Joshua, and I've already won a bunch of battles, that's not how you win battles. So God's giving him new advice, weird advice, but because Joshua had been alone with the Lord and had his private worship, when it came time to lead a nation, he had confidence that God would be with the nation too. If you want to lead your family, if you want to lead your business, if you want to lead your friends, friend group, then you got to have private time before you get into your public time. If you want people to be with you, then you got to have your alone time first. I'm not promised any moments. You know, I've seen a lot of great things over the years, getting to preach and to spend time leading and pastoring. I've watched God move. I've seen physical healings. I've seen God turn around people's lives. I've seen so many amazing things. But I'm not just promised it because it happened before. I still have a responsibility to get alone with Jesus on a daily and a weekly basis before I get up to preach. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you need to have your own private time before you get the big victory from God on the other side. Private worship prepares you for the bigger battles. So what are the four things? Before God tells you where to go, he tells you how to be. Secondly, God will use resistance to make you stronger. The way forward is surrender in worship, and your private worship prepares you for the bigger battles. He's getting you ready. One last thing, and we're going to worship here in a moment together. Jesus, before he left, tells his disciples something. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure this, I am with you always, even to what? The end of the age. Now we're in a weird season of world history, worldwide, insane things seem to be happening. A virus, governments are handling things in a weird way. And some of you and some of us, including me, have looked and go, is this the end time? Is this the end of the end? And some of us get caught up in who the Antichrist is and what's going to happen with Gog and Magog and, and all those kind of things. And you can read those things in the scripture and you can, but listen, the one thing we are not to do is fear. So if you find yourself chasing all of those pathways and you feel nothing but fear, it's not Jesus. What Jesus did say, if you go about my business and you win people to Jesus, you raise up disciples, you go to the whole earth, and you stay, stay on mission, I'll be with you to the end. Your danger is stopping the mission, God's plan for your life. You gotta stay true to what God has called you to do all the way to the end, and Jesus will be with you. He will be with you. But if you get caught up on other things, listen, friends, that's where you lose your peace. Today, I want to just encourage you, Pastor John Carlos and I, um, 
We're going to begin to worship Jesus in the private, if you will. And uh, I want to encourage you in your moment of your new normals or whatever you're wanting to move forward in. What are your obstacles? What's the Jericho in your way? What are the frustrations, the worries, and the fears? I'm going to tell you, you need to do what Joshua had to do. You need a timeout. And this is your timeout to pause and worship, to humble yourself before heaven for you, for your family, for your city. Maybe you need to just pause and just go, my help comes to the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, not from any other source. I need to pause and I need to connect with heaven. And I guarantee you that you'll find a peace. And when you surrender and say, God, what do you want me to do? Not just asking him to bless what you're already doing, but Lord, what do you want me to do? Then he will join you and he will give you his plan. We're just going to worship together. And if on each of our locations, if you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. If you want to come to the front of our sanctuary or auditoriums, you can do that. If you want to stay seated and worship, you can do that. But we're just going to worship the Lord together and wait on him and allow Jesus to be our peace. Hallelujah.
you turn it for good for you are worthy of it all you are worthy of it all for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the glory come on and make you sing it out today you are worthy of it all oh you're worthy yes you are you are worthy of it all for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the glory hallelujah Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. There's no one like you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. David strengthened himself in the Lord. If you need courage or you need to be strong right now, I encourage you to lift your hands up. Just begin to strengthen yourself in the Lord. He's the one that gives you strength. You can do everything through Christ who gives you strength. Hallelujah, Jesus. I look to you, God. I look to you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We come to you, Lord. We come to you, Lord. Oh, give your strength to your people. Let it rise up, oh God to be the people of God you've called to be. I pray, Lord, that moms and dads will be the men and women of God you've called them to be. I pray that the teenagers in the next generation would rise up and find their strength in the Lord. Lord, their help doesn't come from TikTok. It doesn't come from Instagram or likes. It comes from you, the maker. Lord, I pray, oh God, you would help the church rise up and get our, our sight right, our vision right. Lord, we would, Lord, have vertical vision that enters the whole horizontal vision. We would understand what you're saying to the church right now. That Emmanuel would, Lord, not get caught up in getting our directions from any other source than from you, Jesus. Lord, we ask, oh God, let the song of the Lord rise up deep within us. Let us be the people of God. Lord, not timid. Lord, not fearful. Lord, but full of power, sound mind, discipline, and love. Let it rise up in your people, oh God. give your life to Jesus right now because you've either wandered away from him or you've never surrendered to Christ. You can do it right now. This is what I encourage you to do. If you need to give your life to Jesus, I'll give you a prayer to pray. You can pray these words. Mean it from your heart and God will answer your prayer. Whether you're coming home because you were a, a prodigal son or daughter and it's time to get right with God or you need to do it in this moment for the first time, just pray these words. Repeat after me and everybody else. You can join right in and say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth, died on the cross for my sin, and then you rose from the dead, and I know you're alive. Today, 
I give up. I surrender to you. Please take over and make me new. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.